All righty, so good to get this going today. Yep. If you have questions about uh, your employment life, your work life, uh, this is a show. This hour is uh, is for you. There are no dumb questions, even if it's a simple question, something you think you probably should know. That's okay. You're probably asking something that thousands of others are wondering as well. You want to send along an email to the show uh, over the course of the hour or any time for that matter. That is uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. You have the option as well of using the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Lots to be learned about employment law. There's uh, The rights are robust. They're really good, but if you're not educated, you can't take advantage. That's why that website was built to, to get your learn on for employment law rights. That in uh, easy and free access, of course, to the severance calculator. Does exactly what it's uh, meant to be. Calculate your severance. Over 2 million of us across this country have used it. And again, available at uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. The topic, one of two, we'll get to uh, over the course of the hour, the aging workforce. We have that indeed. We'll get that here in just a bit, but uh, first we'll uh, we'll get to our week that was. John Pankitz is here again this week, courtesy of uh, San Firu Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. Johnny, good to have you along, pal. I haven't seen you since just before the break, and we did the uh, TV show together. But uh, what do you got for us? A couple things. Set it up. Lots to talk about here today, John, and I uh, hope uh, listeners are not uh, bashful, as you say, about calling in because there there really are no stupid questions on this show. We're happy to talk about anything uh, employment law, workplace law related. That's what we're here to do. So uh, let's talk if any of these situations uh, remind you of something or if you have something totally uh, unrelated to these situations that's about workplace law, we're, we're happy to chat about that. But first, as we always do, let's start with the week that was. A couple situations uh, that uh, came across my desk that are, are interesting uh, to, to me and hopefully interesting to our listeners. So the first situation I want to discuss involves a technician that had been an employee of the company for uh, five years, uh, and he came to me having his employment terminated on a without-cause basis. So in other words, the employer admitted that it owed severance to him. And the offer for severance that it made was six months' pay. Now, this was someone in their early 50s. Uh, they had been an employee of the company for five uh, years. And given the circumstances, that appeared at first blush to be a pretty good severance package, right? But here's where it gets interesting. And that's why I wanted to discuss this case. Now, he had been an employee of the company for only five years. But he had been working for the company for much longer than that. You see, what had happened is he initially had been hired as a contractor, an arrangement that, quite frankly, was was very likely illegal. Uh, and that arrangement began 15 years ago. Now, five years ago, the company either wanted to offer him group benefits or realized the arrangement was illegal or, or maybe both. And they had him sign an agreement to finally become an employee, which he probably should have been called in the first place. But when it c- came time to let him go, they based his severance on only five-year service, when in fact... For all intents and purposes, this individual was a 15-year employee. All of his prior tenure as a contractor was applicable for his severance pay. And in fact, this was someone who was owed up to 16 months pay. So that severance package he got that initially looked good was actually a terrible severance package. And we are working with him to get him something more adequate. And, and you know, there are a couple of very important lessons here. You know, first of all, as we, as we often talk about on this show, just because your employer says something does not make it so. In this case, the person was labeled an independent contractor. Even if you had an agreement where he was called an independent contractor. That does not make it so. What the law cares about is the reality, not necessarily just what you've put on paper. 
this person was subject to the control of the company. He was getting performance reviews. He was receiving consistent income every week. He was wearing a company uniform. He really was, for the most part, indistinguishable from an employee. The only main difference was the way he was getting paid. And if all the company is doing is paying you as a contractor, paying you with HST and whatnot, that is an illegal arrangement. And it does not take away your rights as an employee, whether it's vacation pay, holiday pay, overtime, or more, most importantly, as in this case, your severance pay. And the other lesson is that when we're looking at your entitlement to severance, it's not always as simple saying you were employed for X number of years. We have to look at whether you worked for the company previously, even another capacity. Maybe you had a break in service, uh, but you were invited back. So we still need to think about that prior tenure. And that's why it's so important that when you're let go, pick up the phone and you call an employment lawyer. And by the way, I want to get that uh, that particular information out as we uh, as we roll along here. You can reach out to John and his team anytime. Of course, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And as mentioned, help at employmentlawyer.ca. If we got some time a little later on, we'll get to some of your email. What's the uh, second thing you got going on, pal? So the second case involved a sales manager who was employed for just under five years for a food manufacturer. And the company terminated his employment only a couple months before he reached his five-year anniversary and at termination offered him four weeks' pay. Now, he came to me very frustrated, very, very dejected, and what he says to me is, you know, they terminated my employment on purpose right before the five-year mark because they knew if they had employed me only a couple more months, they would have to owe, they would have to pay me not only termination pay but severance pay. How can they get away with this? And the good news for him is that although the company may have escaped their obligation to pay statutory severance pay, they were still absolutely on the hook to pay him his full entitlement to severance and his full entitlement to severance his common law full entitlement to severance was worth anywhere from six to eight months pay significantly more than he's been offered so very important don't rely on google your statutory entitlements your your minimum entitlements and your full entitlements are very different things and there really is no substitute to speaking with an employment lawyer to figuring that out and figuring out what you're actually owed let's get into this one the aging workforce and we have one here in this country for sure in fact most you know western nations do it's a, it's just happening and that's the way the population you know ebbs and flows over time but first one is this what can employers do with older employees who become uh, I don't Know, less productive, I guess, is a good word. What do you think, pal? Right. Well, I mean, the first thing you need to do is is look at, okay, is, is there something that's changed in the workplace that may have made them less productive? Is there some variable that's outside of their control? Is there a, a new system that's been put in place that they may be less familiar with or they've been moved to a different department? Uh, perhaps there's a medical issue at play that can always, you know, it, that's not just with older employees, with any employee. Uh, you always want to make sure that if they have brought to light a medical condition that, uh, that you've considered that that's not to say that you should be asking them uh, without anything else do you have a medical condition but if they bring that to your attention you have to look at uh, accommodations if you really don't have any of those variables okay they haven't brought any concerns to your attention uh, there is no there, there's no new system being put in place there's no new uh, targets that have been put in place and and everything is the same they're just getting worse well you may want to start by offering coaching and if it is particular uh, particularly severe, uh, then you can offer a, uh, well, not offer, you can implement, I should say, a performance improvement plan where they have to reach certain thresholds by certain dates. But uh, be very careful at relying on that uh, as uh, proof of a termination for cause, because a termination for cause, even if they're really badly performing, it's going to be very, very difficult to establish. If you need to terminate 
you should expect that you're going to, as an employer, you're going to owe them severance, uh, and that should be something that you do only as a last resort if you really don't see there being any uh, possible way to, to salvage that uh, employment relationship. Adam, thanks for uh, taking some time today. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, sir. What's on your mind? Good. Uh, yeah, so I was working for a company, um, and I was terminated. Uh, we support people in... Um, in different homes, and I was in a home for 21 years uh, supporting people, and then I started complaining about health and safety and other co-workers, and then they tried to move me to another home, which I refused to go to, and they terminated me. So I'm just wondering what kind of uh, severance or termination uh, pay I should be. And I go to arbitration July, July 28th. Okay, are are you in a uh, union, Adam? Yes, I am. Okay, so if you're in a union, then any termination entitlements that you would be uh, subject to are are going to be contained in the collective bargaining agreement, which is really different from what we're talking about here today. So your okay. union has a, a number of remedies that you that you get, you know, especially because you are in a union. Uh, so, for instance, a union can pursue reinstatement, but a union is not going to have necessarily access to the common law entitlements, the full entitlements that we talk about this show because the the kind of the caveat to all of this is this really does apply only to non-unionized employees. It's a very different bundle of rights you have as a unionized employee. Okay. Okay. That's what I figured. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate that. And again, just to, to reiterate what we say in the show all the time, yeah, John, all the stuff we talk about generally is outside the scope of union representation because, as you say, they got the CBA and they're kind of bound by the union, which is – Good in many ways, but when it comes to severance and dismissal, you really can't reach out to a, to a guy like you and get some, uh, you know, you can't throw him a lifeline, right? Yeah, there, there's really different, uh, very different rights associated with being part of a union. So there are things that you get as a unionized employee that you cannot get as a non-unionized employee, such as getting your job back. Right? A union can, if they if they so choose, seek you to be reinstated, seek you to get a, a lower penalty, for instance, substituted. So that's a very special right that you have as a unionized employee. But on the other side of it, um, you lose certain rights, and that includes. Um, the right to pursue civil remedies with a lawyer. So much of what we talk about here uh, doesn't apply uh, if you're a unionized employee. We continue with the Employment Law Show. Stand by. And welcome back to it. Employment Law Show, you bet. Employment lawyer John Pincus is here. You've caught him on TV, doing our TV show and our radio show for years as well. And you can reach out to John and his team, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And anytime, one 855 We'll get back to our chat about the aging workforce here in just a bit. Got uh, Dave standing by. Dave, thanks for hanging on through the break, pal. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for taking my call. Love the show. Uh, just curious, what is the compensation rewarded to you guys if you get a successful uh you know, litigate a successful suit? Is it like 50%, 30%? You know, is it just a ballpark number? Or does it go by, what's the You rate? know what, it, it, it really does vary uh, from, from one case uh, to the, the other, Dave. Uh, uh, what, what we're able to offer clients uh, depends on the complexity of matter, the risk of the matter, the amount of work that's expected. Um, and there's usually a number of options that we can that we can go over. So the the the, the best thing that I can uh, I can recommend to you, Dave, is just uh, uh, you know give us a call off air or send us an email off air. There's there's certainly no charge just to just to uh, ask about that, and we're happy to go over uh, what those options are. But it really does depend on the situation and varies. Okay, thank you very much. 
Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it, pal. And uh, yeah, it's interesting you make that point, John, because people often think, you know, that, and that's one of the main reasons why people hesitate to reach out to you as an employment lawyer and seek help. But then when you, you know, you think about it, you've got someone who's just lost their job. So they, they don't really have any other income except for the severance they're hoping to get. So, mm-hmm. you know, a, an expensive proposition would make no sense because this is, this, that would be kicking someone when they're down. So it just doesn't work that way. So to your point, there's often ways that make it much more comfortable and, and feasible for people to reach out and get the, uh, the help they need because they should be. Because we know that on the severance end, they're usually not taken care of to any sort of uh, satisfactory degree. But uh, And uh, let's get back to it, pal. The aging workforce. Point number two is this. What should an employee do? Now, we, we talked about the employer. If they've got uh, an employee who's you know aging and maybe slowing down a bit, a little less productive. But what should an employee do if they're struggling with their job? They're starting to get a little anxious about it, right? Right. And there's a few things that are quite so stressful as when you feel you're, you're struggling with your job and you feel that your employer is, is taking issue with that and watching you and potentially, uh, jeopardizing your livelihood. Um, and, uh, as stressful as it is, uh, you really do have to meet this head on. Uh, the first thing that I always recommend clients to do is if you are truly struggling, ask for assistance, right? Make sure that you make a record of that. You know, do it in, it's okay if you have a phone call or if you talk to them in person, but make sure you have some record of it so you summarize what you've discussed in writing. Uh, you don't have to write them a letter or a memo, but just some email, uh, so that there's a, that there can be some record that you, you tried. Maybe there's some, something new that's been introduced in the workplace. Maybe there's something that's holding you back. Maybe you need training on a new procedure. Uh, if there's a medical issue, right? If that's the reason why you're struggling, then absolutely uh, that's something you should start with your doctor. And don't be shy about asking for uh, accommodations, uh, you know, a, a shortened work day if that's what you need or a medical leave of absence. You are entitled to these things. That is a human right. Uh, and if you're receiving performance improvement plans uh, and the concerns are legitimate, then you want to write that you're committed to trying to fix that, right? That you're not just ignoring it, that you're not just uh, letting that fall by the wayside, but that you really do care about it because that is going to make a difference if they terminate your employment later on. And remember, can't stop them from letting you go. The best thing you can do is make sure to protect your severance package by showing that you're not the one abandoning the the relationship. You're still committed to to trying to, to stay there to make it work. And by the way, if those performance criticisms that you were getting are unfair, make sure to put that in writing too, right? You do it respectfully. Uh, do it in a way that you would be comfortable with someone else reading because someone else will eventually be reading that. Uh, but make sure that you're clear about what you don't agree with and why you don't agree with it. How about, uh, you know, maybe this point that, uh, you know, employees, they're not keeping up. Can they be disciplined or uh, maybe that's not the word for keeping up anymore how do they uh, how does someone navigate that well you don't gain additional rights just because you are an older employee right so it, right. it's not the case that because you're an older employee uh, the law says well you know you're not expected uh, to maintain that that same le- le- level of performance in fact an employer would likely argue that if you are an older employee who has a lot of experience then maybe right. a higher standard is to be expected of you depending on the circumstances now that might be a little bit different if it's for example a, a labor-intensive job and you don't have the strength that you did earlier earlier but you know that that almost starts to get into medical limitations right and and if that's the case um, then you can't be disciplined for that right there there might be a situation where it's not practical for you to perform the same job anymore and that's an accommodation issue and that, that can be very complex but if if you're an older employee you have the same rights as a younger uh, employee right and that's that's really the key that you're not being treated differently so 
Uh, is the employer refusing you training because they feel it's not worth investing uh, in you anymore? Is the employer suggesting your your employer suggesting that you retire? Well, if that's the case, then the fact that you're an older employee does become important because that becomes a human rights issue. But if the employer is engaging in good faith performance management, uh, that doesn't mean that you're uh, that it's necessarily a human rights violation simply because you're an older employee. That being said. If that leads to your employment being terminated, very, very, very likely you're going to be entitled to severance. And if you've been there a long time, that could be significant. So make sure that you get that reviewed by an employment lawyer. And that was, uh, you know, you just started to touch on the next point. That is, can an employer terminate that employee because they become older, less productive? I mean, that's, you know, it happens all the time. They might try to, you know, disguise it as something else. But, you know, down to the brass tacks, it is a human rights violation, no? Yeah, it, it absolutely can be a human rights violation if any part of the reason that the company is letting you go uh, is because of your age. Now, if it's strictly because you've been less productive and they can show, well, no, 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 it has nothing to do with your age, uh, then it may not be a human rights violation. But even more importantly, you'd still be entitled to potentially a very significant severance package. But it's where the employer says, yeah, you know what, I think you should retire and maybe it's time that, you, that for you to hang it up. That's where it's going to get into dicey territory because mandatory retirement has has been illegal in Ontario uh, since 2006. Again, 416-870-6400. That's the number to uh, call in and ask your questions about this topic or anything else. We're, I mean, we're focusing on this today, but you can ask any of your employment law questions. And again, you can always use pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, the website as well. If an employer now has, like, I guess, say no choice but to terminate an older employee, what type of severance should they expect to have to pay? How does that number change? Right. Well, I mean, the first place that an employer can go, just like an employee, is Severance Pay Calculator, right? You go to the Severance Pay Calculator, you put in their age, the position, and your length of service, and that's a free tool that you can get a sense of what the liability may look like. Uh, so it is going to turn on those factors, but there's other things that we look at as well. We look at compensation. We look at the marketplace for those positions, right? Are you uh, firing someone who uh, is going to be in a large pool of people who've all lost their jobs at the same time? Uh, you know, I see that happening a lot right now in certain industries that are are really um, shedding uh, a lot of employees uh, all at the same time. Um, and, but if you are terminating someone who's an older employee, even if they are a short service uh, person, they could still have significant entitlements, particularly if they're in a supervisory or a management position. Uh, so, you know, there is no uh, kind of cookie cutter answer to this. It really is something that you have to discuss with an employment lawyer so we can look at all the potential sources of liability, or if you're an employee, all the potential sources of entitlement on the other side. Now, if I'm that employee and I feel, you know, I've been let go for whatever excuse they gave me, but just my spidey sense is telling me that there was something to do with my age that factored into this, what do I do? Well, uh, for for one thing, don't sign anything, right? Speak to an employment yeah. lawyer, um, and um, you may be you may be committed to or um, tempted, uh, rather, uh, to look on the. Um, Human Rights uh, Tribunal website, oh, I can start an application, I can do this on my own and, and get started, but you don't want to do that necessarily because if there is a severance issue, which is probably going to be the more significant issue, um, then uh, we can we can actually handle those two things uh, together. But, you know, to your point, 
um, you know, if, if your spidey sense is telling you that you were let go because of your age, it's definitely something we're going to look into, but that's probably in and of itself not going to be enough to establish a human rights violation. So instead, what we're going to be focused on is, well, how long are you going to need to take to get back to work? And that is really going to be where the entitlement is, right? The severance entitlement. Severance entitlements typically eclipse uh, human rights entitlements, even if there is a human rights violation. That's very important for people to keep in mind. And to reach John and his team, uh, anytime, one 821 5900 want to move down to an email before we move on to uh, to another topic. Matthew Rhoda says, guys, my employer is telling me that I have to work overtime, have to work overtime. I've never had to do this, and it will conflict with my ability to pick up my child from daycare. Do I have a choice in this whole thing? Right. Well, Matthew, I would definitely want to speak with you about this because you're in an important crossroads and you got to act quickly, right? If you wait to these th- to act on these things and you let the employer do this and then two months later say, ah, you know what, this is a problem for me, it's going to be much harder to deal with it then. So you want to deal with these things right away. But that being said, there's two issues here, right? The first issue, that, I mean, the, the one that's most obvious is, well, you've got a, you know, you've got a parental obligation here. So um, you've got to show that you've looked into alternatives. Is there someone else in the family? Can your spouse or another family member pick up your child uh, from daycare? If that is not possible, then you go to your employer and look, you know, is there any other solutions they can provide? But if they simply say, too bad, so sad, that could actually be a human rights violation on the basis of what we call family status. But there's actually a more, a a, a simpler issue here, uh, a more straightforward issue. And that issue is, if you've never had to work overtime before, and now you're being told that we're going to change your your hours of work, and that is in fact a substantial change. That in and of itself uh, may be a reason for you to validly validly say I'm not going to do this, and that could in itself be the grounds for constructive dismissal. So definitely speak with us, Matthew, because um, there's a, an important decision you have to make right now. It kind of sounds like off the top, though, you got to got to make the effort to. Uh Put some effort into this first, as you said, for accommodation. Like you said, finding someone else who could possibly take care of your kid or pick them up. I mean, you got you got to go to some sort of lengths on your own, yeah. That's right. That's right, John. Absolutely, because it cannot be simply preference. It has to be something that is actually where uh, you're 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 being given the choice: do your job or be a parent, right? And that's just not a choice anyone should have to make. But if it's do your job and be a parent at this daycare you really like, or do your job and be a parent at this daycare that's 15 minutes away and doesn't get quite as good reviews, that's not going to be uh, a right that you have. It may not be ideal. It may not be convenient. It may not even be something that you want for your child, but there's a, there are limits uh, to what you can do here, so you have to show that you've looked for some alternatives. And can you, if I mean, if you find some sort of alternative to your point, you've never done this before, can you say, I guess, in writing to your employer, look, I'm not sure, I want to, I want to help out. I want to be the the company guy, but I'm not sure if this is going to pan out for me. Can I can I can I try it and see first? And if it doesn't work, I want to go back to the uh, you know previously scheduled programming and not to not have to commit to this. Is that possible? You can do that. And, you know, in fact, I often recommend that clients do that when it comes to changes in their commission because very difficult to know what the change in commission is actually going to look like until you've actually seen it happen. And and normally if an employee, as soon as the commission uh, plan changes, if they go and they jump the gun and they say, oh, you know what, this commission change, it's a lower percentage and I'm going to treat it as a constructive dismissal, that's often going to be treated by the law as premature. And guess what? Now you've lost your severance entitlement. You don't want 
want that, right? So you really, in some cases, that that's not only a good idea, that's often the, the only thing that you can do. In a situation like this, if it's very clear, you know, these are the hours you will be working and you have never had to work that before, um, then that's still an option you may want to consider with an employment lawyer. Uh, but there are certain situations where it's more uh, speculative, even if you don't think it's a speculative uh, that you want to do. So all this to say, you know, you can you can see the complexities and all the different kinds of uh, you know, permutations of options that you have. You've got to walk this through with an employment lawyer because if you do it on your own, you're going to probably make a mistake and it may be a mistake you can't take back that we may not be able to fix for you. And with that, guys, we'll take another short break and get right back into it. In the emails, we'll get to more of those. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. It's the Employment Law Show. Stick around. Coming right back. And uh, we're back. If you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, there's a wonderful resource in that entire website built just to educate you even more. You'll have access to the severance calculator. And then finally, help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address we use on the show each and every week, uh, John Pincus is here, of course, uh, employment lawyer from uh, San Fernando to Market LLP. Reach out at employmentlawyer.ca, too. That will give you the media page where you can catch past episodes and current ones of our TV show, as well as our radio shows across the country as well. So back into this uh, second, uh, second topic for the uh, for the day. I love this one. Employment law, true or false? Usually it's like Lior asking me these, and I usually crap the bed. But this is going to be you in the hot seat, pal, because you wrote them. So you know the answers. Number one, I don't need a lawyer to help me get full severance. Eh, I could just call that a Ministry of Labor. How about that one? Nope, false. Uh, that is not what you want to be doing. Although I will say, if you call the Ministry of Labor, the first thing they're probably going to tell you these days uh, is that you may want to speak to a lawyer, right? And when they're saying that, they're saying that for a reason, because the Ministry of Labor is not allowed to speak with you about your full entitlements. They can talk to you about vacation pay. They can talk to you about outstanding wages. They can talk to you about holiday pay. And in fact, if you're still employed by the company, then the Ministry of Labor is probably the best place to go. But if you have lost your job, that's when you stop calling the Ministry of Labor. That's when you need to start speaking with an employment lawyer because an employment lawyer is the only person who can advise you on your full entitlements under the law. Number two, uh, employment law, true or false, how about this? Most employer, my employer rather can fire me, cut costs, say uh, they want to hire somebody new or because I was late for work or maybe because I wore the wrong color socks to the office. Out you go. What do you think? Well, believe it or not, that is true. An employer can let you go for almost any reason that they want, uh, as long as that reason is not discriminatory. So if your employer is terminating your employment because your skin is the wrong color, that's discrimination. Uh, if they terminate your employment because your socks are the wrong color, a uh, color, uh, not discrimination, right? If your employer terminates uh, your employment because uh, you disagree which Star Wars movie is best, <laughs> that is that is permitted. That is permitted. May make for an interesting lawsuit, but that is permitted. Whereas if your employer terminates uh, your employment because they uh, don't agree with the religion that you have, well. Clearly, that's going to be discriminatory, and that's going to be a problem. Now, an employment lawyer in that case can't physically stop your employer from letting right. you go. Uh, and uh, in in almost all cases, with few exceptions, we, we generally cannot get you your job back uh, unless, for example, you're a federally regulated employee, and then there's certain rights that go with that. But generally speaking, we're talking about compensation. 
right? So still we're looking at compensation, but certainly the leverage to get compensation is going to be greater if your employer lets you go for some inappropriate reason like your race, your religion, your age, uh, or what we see very commonly, uh, your uh, a disability. Brian, thanks for calling, pal. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. I'm Good. What's on your mind? I've got a question. I've been on long-term disability past the two-year mark for quite some time. Uh, my health issue may be stabilizing, and I'm thinking of going back to work. Um, if the company offers me a package because there's been so many changes, it says, well, we'd rather not have that disruption. We're going to offer you a package. Or if once I get there, shortly thereafter, I get a constructive dismissal or whatever it takes to have a package happen, would if I receive that package, would the insurance company who's been paying me be able to say, well, listen, we want to draw back some of that cash you just got for your package, or would my severance package be separate from the insurance money paid up till that point? Very, so very good. Very good question, Brian. And that is all going to come down to what is in the policy. Okay, because your your uh, disability policies are going to contain um, different language. Um, in some cases, it's uh, very clear that severance any severance monies are to be clawed back if you are still receiving um, disability payments at that time. Um, in other cases, um, it's um, it's something that you can receive in addition. That being said, if you're not receiving disability payments at the time you get the severance package. The disability provider can't go back in time saying, "Oh, now we want to claw back what we, you know, what we paid you a year ago." It doesn't work like that. But it's where you're getting them at the same time that often uh, the disability provider will have something in their policy that says we get a set off uh, against that entitlement. And the only way to know that uh, is to uh, is to send us the policy, and that, that's an issue we look at often. Okay, that's the question I had. Once I, if I do go back. And there is a constructive dismissal after that, and the insurance money is already ended. Then there's a possibility that they will not be able to draw that back. Right. If you're not receiving disability benefits at the time, then that that really is in the past, right, Brian? And so at that point, we're looking at uh, your severance entitlements as a new entitlement. I'm not uh, terribly concerned about the insurer at that point. The only thing that we need to be concerned about is, you know, are you going to need insurance disability benefits potentially in the future, which may impact how we deal with your severance package. But in terms of this carve-out set-off issue, no. If your disability benefits have stopped, uh, then that, that issue doesn't really arise uh, and in fact uh, because you have been let go in the context of trying to get back to work there could be a human rights issue and uh, that's an, a consideration for severance if you're going to take a longer period of time because of a disability that you know I know you said is stabilized but if you're still dealing with it and it's still going to hinder you in some way that is going to increase that severance entitlement uh, so we could be looking at a very significant entitlement that has uh, no set off uh, from disability so definitely give us a call uh, if that happens because, um, you know, we're probably going to be looking at a significant entitlement. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate that. And that number, yeah, you bet, one 855 821 one to continue that conversation with John and, uh, and his team. Kevin, thank you uh, so much for standing by. How are you? Good day. I'm good. Good. What's, uh, what's on your mind? So I had a situation at work, and I, I, I'm just wondering if it qualified as verbal binding. So uh, a hiring manager at my company brought a job opportunity to me. 
Um, I told him that I was interested. He conducted two rounds of interviews. After the interviews, he came back to me and said, interviews went well, um, got the green light from HR, look out for a representative to contact you. After a couple of days, I went back to him, said, and did HR give you a timeline? He said, let me quote the bear a bit. And he, he gave me an update stating that um, HR will reach out to me early this week. I mean, next week, the following week. The following week came, and then in the middle of the week, I think it was a Wednesday, I got a call from that same hiring manager saying that the, um, they're not moving forward with the, um, with the role, meaning that I won't be getting the job. So I was wondering if that qualifies as some sort of verbal binding. A verbal contract, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, so this is this is an interesting question. It's not it's not an issue that comes up often. Um, there is a uh, there is precedent that if you are promised a promotion uh, and the employer rescinds that promotion, that can, in certain circumstances, not necessarily this one, but in certain circumstances, that can be a basis for constructive dismissal because it's almost like you're you're being demoted but but it's it's very difficult because you have to show that they they really made a firm commitment uh to give you that promotion and what you've described uh is is probably not going to meet that uh it sounds like they they were certainly misleading and they gave you some false signals uh but i i don't think that's going to be enough to say i i effectively had this job and you took it away from me um so, you know, if you've decided to leave the company, then give us a call and we'll, we'll see what we can do for you. Um, but this on its own is not something that I would, uh, based on what you described, doesn't sound like it would meet the criteria to be a constructive dismissal. Okay, sounds good. Let me ask a question. If I, when you say leave the company, is there a time frame in which, um, in which I, it, it matters how long after, how soon? It, I, it does, yes. It, it does matter uh, because if you wait too long, I, I certainly wouldn't wait more than a week or two um, to make your decision. If you're going to leave the company as a result of this, um, then um, you, you want to do it quickly, which means you want to speak to an employment lawyer quickly. All that being said, Kevin, um, I would be very careful about leaving with any kind of expectation that you're going to get any compensation from them uh, because, again, this doesn't strike me as a constructive dismissal. So you have to be really committed to leaving. But uh, like any situation where you're considering a constructive dismissal, if you've committed to leave, you know you're going to leave, um, then uh, we may as well look at the circumstances in which you're leaving and see if there's an entitlement there. So definitely, you know, give us a call if you've decided you're going to be doing that. I would do it soon. Kevin, thanks, pal. Here's that number to reach out. Now that we're going into a break uh, to John after the show and going forward, one 855 821 one 855 821 Help at employmentlawyer.ca for email. And uh, coming right back with more, Hang on. You bet. We're back. Thank you for joining us uh, this hour. John Pickus, employment lawyer, Sanfiru Tamarkin, LLP, partner at the firm, uh, the most uh, positively reviewed law firm on uh, on Google. You can check that out anytime, here and now. Mark, thanks for taking the time. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good. What's on your uh, mind? I have a question. My son's been laid off for the last four months. Uh, they keep saying that he's going to be brought back, but, but nothing has uh, materialized. Uh Yep. We still got Mark. 
Sorry, Mark, uh, repeat that last part. Hasn't materialized, and what did you say after that? So he hasn't been able to uh, start looking for work. Is he still uh, eligible for um, severance now if he look, goes to another job? Um, yes, he very well may be. Um, just a, a couple questions, Mark, about your, your son's employment. Uh, had he been laid off before? Or no, is this the first, first time. Okay, and, and uh, what's his line of work? Uh, he's, uh, he's, a design, he's in the design industry. Design industry, okay. And uh, about how long was he was he working there? Uh, about 18 months, 20 months, yeah. Okay. Well, um, unless he's agreed, so the only way that he would not be entitled to severance here, Mark, there's, there's really only two ways. The first is if he gave them express permission, right? So if he wrote them in writing and said, you know, yeah, I, I'm okay with this layoff. I'll agree to this layoff, right? Then and he can't treat that as a termination unless they never call him back, in which case there, there could, there will be some entitlement. Um, but, um, if he hasn't done that, the only other way that they would be entitled to do this to him is if they have an employment agreement that contains a provision saying, you agree to temporary layoffs, and he signed off on that. So I'd want to see his employment agreement. But if it doesn't have anything like that, then your son can treat this layoff as a termination, and he would be entitled uh, to severance. And so if he's in the design industry and he's worked there for 18 months, we, we could be talking about a few months of severance entitlement. So I would definitely recommend recommend that uh, he give us a call so we can talk about it and look at his uh, employment agreement. I guess the dilemma is he's going to burn bridges by doing this, so, and that's so important for the future employment. So just curious how what the best way to navigate all that is. You know, I, I rarely see that happen uh, in these circumstances, That not to say that it, it never happens, but particularly in a situation like this where it's really a, a legal dispute and not uh, super contentious, you know, we really treat this as a as a business negotiation. The company knows that if they don't recall this person back, uh, they're going to be entitled to severance anyway. So our, our approach is not to go in there guns blazing. I mean, we, we go in there simply to outline what the legal entitlement is, uh, and part of often what we negotiate as a term settlement, although it's not a legal entitlement, we can usually negotiate something like a reference letter, something to protect him against that kind of, you know, uh, fear of, of burning bridges. And, you know, I, I've seen it happen um, where the uh, employee even goes back uh, to work for that employer at a later date, just to show you how amicable these things can be resolved. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not shrugging off that, that concern. I understand where you're coming from, uh, but it need not be a barrier to, to get him what he's owed here, right? We don't, we don't have to necessarily treat this as a uh, acrimonious and contentious situation because typically it's not at all. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate the call, pal. And uh, moving forward with that one, one 821 5900 is how you're going to follow up with that phone call. Mark, David, thank you. You're next in line. How are you, pal? Hello. Good morning. I would like to know, is there a deadline to file a duty affair representation application with the Ministry of Labor? Oh, you know what? I <laughs> I don't know if I know that offhand. Uh, you definitely want to do it as soon as possible. Um, I, I don't believe uh, there is a statutory time limit. At least I'm I'm not uh, aware of one. But uh, from typically, what the labor board will do in these situations is they'll just kind of look at it. Uh, you know, was was there a reason for the time that you took? So if you took six months or eight months, you know, can you explain why it took you that long? So all I can say is you want to do that if you are going to bring a, a duty fair representation application at the Ontario Labor Relations Board. You want to do it as soon. 
as possible. Uh, and if you're worried, well, you know, maybe I've I've uh, I've passed the deadline, but I want to do it. There's no harm in trying, right? You may as well do it. Just if you've taken a long time, just be prepared to explain that delay, uh, because if you don't have a good explanation, it has been a long delay. Then the, the labor board may dismiss it. Okay. Thank you very much. You okay. are uh, you're welcome, David. Appreciate that. And again, if you want to go forward and ask any other questions, you can do so. It's one eight five five eight two one. 5900 want to get uh, maybe to another email or two pal if we got to, if we got the time let me roll down here now that we have uh, all the stuff actually do you have them hand you i just i just shut my email down that's excellent what do you got you got an email we can i use? i i do got some yeah, i do, do have it. some emails handy this is great because now i get to pick the one that i i want to ah. answer john i'm in the driver's seat finally yeah man uh so uh here we have a, a question from sam and sam asks uh, i'm on a maternity leave and i'm worried my job is not going to be the same when i come back what should i do and this this is one i i really wanted to to answer because um uh, it, it's it's a situation that happens so so often at so many companies, um, and uh, you know th- what what you really want to do if you're on a maternity leave, and it may surprise you to hear this from a lawyer, but don't think about this right now. You're on a maternity leave, right? That's a job protected leave. Focus on your maternity leave. If you come back and the job they offer you is not the same, then that is the time to deal with it, right? That's the time that we're going to, th- we're going to worry about. Um, is it a comparable job? You're not faced with the same uh, problems. Even if you're getting some hints that the job may be different, you don't have to worry about, oh, am I going to run out of time? Am I gonna, and am I going to be too late? Unless you get something formal in writing saying, you know, your job is going to be, uh, you know, you're going to be reporting to the person who took your job. Well, then we may want to do something. But if you're just hearing kind of whispers here and there, try and shut it out. Try and ignore it. Let's deal with it when you come back. Focus on your mat leave. And with that, we are done for another show. Appreciate you reaching out. Everybody who called and emailed as well, you can follow up with uh, with more of that now. And how do you reach John and his team? one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. And that website, always free and anonymous for you to use, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time on the Employment Law Show.